Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we're talking to Ginger Katz. She is the founder of Courage to Speak Foundation and the author of Sunny's Story. Hi, Ginger. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I was very interested in reading about some of your story and what happened leading up to founding your organization and those types of things. But before we talk about the story itself and the organization, can you share with the listeners a little bit about your history, kind of where you've come from, what you've done, and some of the things that you might have you know, felt helped you to become the person you have today to want to start an organization to try and help to change lives through Courage to Speak? Oh, that's a good question. I appreciate that. I, I'm from um, Queens, New York. I also lived on Long Island in the summer with my parents who had a cottage. And I mention that because my mom really inspired me, and so did my dad. He mm-hmm. encouraged me. My mom was an advocate for many causes, um, whether it was for animals or uh, people with disabilities. Um, She shared that and she cared about what was going on in our world and she was very well read and well spoken and my dad really encouraged me and my passion in life was um, sports as a very young girl. Um, I was handed a basketball in in the sixth grade by a nun. I went to a Catholic school and we played every weekend and through the week and my father built me a basketball um, court in the backyard, my brother's friends, and my brother, four years older than me, and my father used to take his movie camera out and tell me to, come on, Ginger, beat the boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So growing up, growing up, I, I always felt very good about myself and that I could take on challenges and, and um, you know, we competed in, in sports and then um, found tennis, and I loved basketball as a young girl. And when I turned 50, right after losing my son, about a year after, um, I had gone up to Senior Olympics in um, Connecticut. They dropped the age down to 50, and I was still playing some sports. I was not in a happy mood. And my husband encouraged me, and he said, he said to me, Ginger, why don't you play um, what you were doing at the time, which was um, tennis and mm-hmm. biking and running and so on. And I met seven ladies on the, on the, on the um, track and field, and we signed our name to a clipboard. And the following week, we went up to Massachusetts, and together uh, we played in this game for the first time, basketball. Mm-hmm. And that was my passion growing up. So it was the first joy in my life after losing my son. Mm-hmm. So my, with my parents' encouragement as, as a young woman, now um, remember back then, it was mostly, sports were mostly for, for men, right. for boys. Mm-hmm. So I was always encouraged by my family to do anything I possibly could. And with my mother's advocacy, um, you know, it just, it just was a nice combination of uh, parents encouraging me to um, continue my passion and encouraging me and telling me that I could do anything as a female. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I lost Ian, um, it, it, I brought my joy back in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's where we are. I always thought I was going to do something very, very important someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you're sharing that from your childhood and how you were raised and obviously raised very well and by wonderful parents and I think that that is important and I've had other people on the show 
uh, mentioned that sometimes in the midst of their pain, the best thing they could do is go back to what mm -hmm. their real passion is, their real love in life. I had one person share that after she lost her husband, she needed to go back to dancing, which was part of her passion as a child and something that she really felt released when she danced and she felt joyful. And so I think that's a great tip to give to the listeners about dealing with difficulties. And certainly that's a huge stressor and painful circumstance to be in when you lose a loved one. Absolutely. It's always go good to go back and remember what brought joy in your life you can attain again as you get older through through your journey in life as well, especially when hard times come. Right, exactly. My son struggled with addiction. He uh, called up crying, begging for help. He was addicted to a drug um, in college and he begged for help and we finally got him help and he was in recovery for three and a half months and he was taking one day at a time mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> one night we realized he relapsed mm -hmm. and he he came to me and said mom I really need to get help I can't fight this on my own and the agreement for him and us was that if he relapsed, he would go into a long-term program. Mm -hmm. And that night happened, and he vowed that he would do that the next day. It was 1.30 in the morning, and he said, um, I love you, Mom. We'll take care of this in the morning. And he had so much remorse. He couldn't believe after three and a half months this happened. Mm -hmm. But that's the nature of the disease of addiction. The relapse is part of it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And he said, good night, Mom. I love you, and went downstairs to his room. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, his dog, Sonny, tried to wake me up. He climbed four flights of stairs. He had arthritis, but he, it was unusual, and he jumped on my bed. And mm -hmm. Ian's words rocked me to sleep that night. Uh, it was the first good night's sleep I had in about five months. Mm. And his promise to seek help was his idea, not ours. Mm -hmm. So this was a milestone, and it led me to stay in a very deep sleep, only to just look at Sonny for a second and go right back. Mm -hmm. So Sonny's message was undelivered, and he was trying to tell me that Ian need help, needed help. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, um, I got up at 6 o'clock and went out getting ready for my morning run, and I heard Ian's television blaring, and I went to shut it off, and, and that's when I found him. He oh. had gone downstairs. Um, that m night after he said goodnight and mm -hmm. did the drug one more time, his last hurrah, mm -hmm. and he didn't have a second chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a, a very sad story, and I'm sure was very hard for you to deal with and process that moment of feeling like, if only. At that time, I just stored that thought about Sonny trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. And years later, he was sitting on my deck, and I, uh, the dog, and my friend, and I said to my friend, if Sonny could have talked, he would have had a lot to say. Mm -hmm. So that was the pivotal moment that I decided to narrate the book from Sonny's perspective. Mm -hmm. So our family beagle, Sonny, tells the story of how he lost the best boy in the world. Mm -hmm. And and my goal is to educate children. Um, I speak all over the country. I've done over a thousand presentations with my husband's assistant, who mm -hmm. was a former social worker. And we also found the need to find experts in the country to help us develop curriculum for elementary, middle, and high school, as well as parents. 
Mm-hmm. And we we did this over the last 15 years, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and received nonprofit funding for for this effort as well. And now we have over 150 people teaching our programs curriculum. And the elementary is based on Sunny's story, and it follows with eight lessons or an after-school program of four lessons. And it's also part, since it isn't a baby book, mm-hmm. it's part of a high school curriculum that we as a group, through Courage to Speak Foundation, developed for schools and other forms. That's wonderful. I love what you've done with your pain and your anguish. And I'm sure that that helps some to know that you're taking the situation and the story of your son's life and death and turning it around to help other people and help hopefully prevent what's happened to Ian with other people. And, and families. I mean, I, I had no idea how um, pervasive the problem was 15 mm-hmm. years ago when you get a call that your son is addicted. Um, to heroin in college, it, it totally shocks a parent who, you know, in, in, in high school, um, Ian did some marijuana, and of course we, we frowned upon that and probably took it a little further with counseling and getting, thought, getting to the root of the situation, and we thought, you know, we made an impression at that point. Mm-hmm. And I look back, um, Parents need to be to understand that every what every child will be exposed to, even mm-hmm. if they think their child will not do drugs. That's right. They need to have the tools to keep the children safe. And at that time, nobody was really talking about addiction and kids to the point it is now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I named it The Courage to Speak, but I also named it because of the pain that kids keep in and they don't share it with uh, trusted adults. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes they mask their pain with alcohol and other drugs or any other risky behavior. I agree, and I think that that's what's really important is to give voice to the kids that are struggling. And, and most kids struggle in some way or another. It's just the depth of that struggle is often unknown. And as you said, where can they really go where they will not be judged or criticized or turned away even Mm -hmm. because of the feelings that they're having, which are Mm -hmm. normal, natural feelings. It's just what we're doing with those feelings is where the problem lies. Exactly, exactly. And I think what the Courage to Speak does is give permission to for people to speak about how they feel. Because we all have pain, but it's mm-hmm. how we process it. And processing it is important and getting on the other side of it instead of covering it up with possible alcohol or any other drug use. Exactly. And that's... it's amazing. The first time we were speaking in a school, we, we presented to all the juniors in this high school, almost once a month. And the counselor said, who was only part-time at the time, uh, he said, Ginger, I have to increase my hours because you've given them permission to mm. pay. Mm. And sometimes all you have to do is say that to a child or a, a adolescent or even an adult is to get it out. Right, exactly. And have the courage to speak about the feelings that are difficult and not mm-hmm. to be ashamed not to be ashamed of things. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%, and I think that's part of bringing about awareness about drug abuse and other behaviors that are not healthy is helping people to understand that 
it's okay to admit that you have problems. It's okay to feel the way that you feel. And really, we need to stop stigmatizing people just because they have a particular habit or hang-up or feeling and let them talk and let them have a place where they can feel safe and accepted. Absolutely, and it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Even if a mistake is made um, in our parenting course, the instructors say, if your child makes a mistake, um, just tell them it's a mistake, but then you tell them how you feel about that in the future. It's not acceptable, but don't mm-hmm. make them feel ashamed of it or always say, no matter what, I'll always love you. Even if you make a mistake, you come mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And parents really take that for granted, but kids have to hear it. Mm-hmm. I they agree think with sometimes you. Sometimes they'll disappoint their parents and they, they keep the secrets. Mm-hmm. And I always said that I believe the secrets kill them. Mm-hmm. So you wrote the book to help share with others what you learned from your son's journey and from his death. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to start the foundation. Yes. I, I, I actually started to speak in schools and, and my church. 250 people came out on a rainy Sunday night. Um, Ian's former principal in high school asked me to present. And then it just exploded where mm-hmm. other people came to hear it and wanted me and uh, in other schools. And then I did some uh, conferences across the country and in independent schools. And oh, it just went on and on and on. And from there, I saw the need for uh, programs in schools based on drug f- prevention, mm-hmm. not just once a year through their whole school life, but, but continuously for elementary, middle, and high school with booster lessons and so on and so forth, because mm-hmm. this is something that they're being exposed to and they're targeted. Mm-hmm. And one, one year program is just not enough. So I presented it to the school system where Ian went to in our town and the superintendent approved it with the permission of his principals Mm -hmm. and we piloted the first um, middle school curriculum based on my presentation Mm -hmm. and then they asked us to work on the high school and then I was writing Sunny Story several years later and then I said I want younger children to read Sunny Story and, and I knew it needed to be facilitated so that's where the experts in prevention came up with the eight sessions mm-hmm. to slow the reading at an early age. Mm-hmm. But realized even the children in middle and high school wanted to read it, and it's read at many, many kitchen tables across the country. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What an incredible way to get the message out there. I love that you're doing all that. And when was it that you decided to start the foundation, and, and what does the st- foundation stand for other than education and awareness? The Courage to Speak Foundation mission is to empower youth to be drug-free and encourage, encourage parents to speak to their children about the dangers of drugs. Mm-hmm. And we founded that organization shortly after Ian died with the encouragement of many of Ian's friends, my, my business associates, um, my, it just my friends in general, and, mm-hmm. and the school system. It just seemed, actually, it was the night before the funeral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I held a lot of young women in long black dresses mm. in my arms at mm. the wake and young men who cried like little boys and they wanted to know what happened to Ian. Mm-hmm. And the doctors were telling me to tell people that Ian died of an aneurysm or a heart attack. 
Mm. So as I laid there at 2 o'clock in the morning in my room that night before the funeral, I I woke my husband up and I said, I'm I'm not going to be able to make it the next day. Mm -hmm. And he held me. He fell off to sleep. And I actually had a vision of speaking out. Mm -hmm. And I woke him up again and I, I... I said, Larry, I, I want to speak out. Can mm-hmm. you speak out? And he immediately said yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, if this was happening in our family, we were good parents. Right. It's happening to other families. That's right. And Ian was a good kid. Mm-hmm. He made an unhealthy decision to use drugs. And I never lied about him. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to lie about Ian at his death. Mm. So the next day, we decided, and we needed to do what we needed to do, and bury our beloved son, Ian, and then we spoke out. Mm-hmm. I commend you for that, and I understand that that had to have been a choice that was heavy on your heart. But the lives that you've changed at this point and the impact that you've had is incredible. And so, of course, it was what was necessary. And the truth is always necessary. That's sometimes what people don't realize. It has to be the truth, and I was not ashamed of Ian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was not ashamed of him, and I just I couldn't put one foot in front of my of each other to do what I needed to do that morning. And once I decided with Larry, my husband, mm-hmm. um, it just set us free. And mm-hmm. it's been nonstop for 15 years. Several years ago, we received a very nice size grant, and now we have four and a half people working in our organization, and we have a office on East Avenue in the center of town where we live, mm-hmm. and um, we we have built capacity because I have the help, and every day there's a volunteer, at least one or two or three, working in on my organization, so there's tremendous manpower, mm-hmm. and we we just got, we're so busy all the time, and mm-hmm. we, I also have a support group for families who've lost children. Mm-hmm. And um, we we get together or we do phone work. Um, we just try to reach out. And, and can you share with the listeners how would they find out about Courage to Speak Foundation and get a copy of Sunny's story? Absolutely. Go to couragetospeak.org and also sunnystory.com. And uh, the 800 number is 877-431-3297. Five and ask for Ginger Cats, and I'd be happy to speak to them. And um, both websites have Sunny Story on it, as well as some videos of my presentation. And pretty soon we'll have Courageous Parenting 101 online, mm-hmm. which is a parent or a program. And it, we now have 79 instructors teaching it. So we are going to have uh, it online where instructors throughout the country could download it and bring it to their community so their their families could be safe. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great to hear. I want to ask you to share with the listeners if there are some families out there who are struggling with this situation going on right now or who are not sure if something's going on that they should be aware of. What are some of the signs that you noticed with Ian or that you've learned in talking sure. with other families that, some, sure. that people should look for because, of course, as you said, we love our kids, we're good parents, we try our best, but we don't always know everything that's going on. We certainly don't always know all their feelings. So what would you right. say to look for? 
well, as a teenager, and they do, you know, things change when they're teenagers. They get moody. Uh, but coupled with other signs is really a red flag. Ian became somewhat withdrawn. Um, he stopped hugging and he um, would go into his room and just shut the door, and then he just didn't want to come to dinner, and then later on he ate. And then um, he had some different friends. He hung around with his regular friends, his sport friends, but friends that I wasn't crazy about. Mm -hmm. And um, his grades, there was a drop in grades. And and I I decided to take a course, just a one-night course, about drugs. And I saw the PowerPoint, and and I saw all the signs that Ian, right on the screen, I said, oh, my God, it could be drugs. And mm-hmm. that's when we had the conversation, and that's when he kept it quiet, mm-hmm. and that we had to take a few other steps to prevent it. It had to be, I would say, if you see these signs, act right away. Mm-hmm. It takes 30-year-olds. 10 years to get to the chronic stages of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. With the same amount of alcohol for a teenager, it takes fewer than 15 months. Wow. Addiction, yes. Addiction is very rapid. So mm-hmm. that's why it's so important to, to nip it in the bud and seek professional help right away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. don't blame yourself as parents. Mm-hmm. Good kids make unhealthy decisions. That's right. Mm-hmm. And and many parents feel guilty and they blame themselves for their children's experimenting or drug use. Mm-hmm. And it you just can't do that. And that will stifle getting help for your child. Mm-hmm. Forget that. Give it two seconds and move on and address it right away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. parents go to Al-Anon for themselves. They need support groups because there are many parents out there who are dealing with the same situation and you're not alone, and find out everything. Take a course such as Courageous Parenting 101 um, and find out everything your child is exposed to and get an assessment. Mm -hmm. If your child says, oh, Mom, it's just marijuana, maybe it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is. But that's serious enough in itself. Mm -hmm because marijuana is stronger than it used to be, and it's laced, mm-hmm. and it could be very significant to that child. It may not be a passing or fleeting moment they tried something. Right. Get in an assessment and make sure what type of drug your child is using. Mm-hmm. And get professional help for the family, because it's a family disease. Mm-hmm. Yes, I understand that. I think those are all great tips and great things to look for. And I think really most importantly is to know that you're not alone. There's right. so many support groups. There's support groups and blogs online. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't, if you don't go to a church and have a local church, you can go to, if you don't have a local community person or group, you can go to at least find something online and, and find out what your options are because there are plenty of, Places and people willing to help, and many people like you who have suffered losses or gone through the addiction process themselves and are really trying to help others to not go down that same path. Exactly. Ian's addiction to heroin lasted approximately nine months. Mm. He was taken out right away. Mm -hmm. I meet parents whose children have been using for six, seven years. 
Mm. And and it is so stressful on the on the on the family. Mm-hmm. They need help as well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that is one reason because Ian's addiction to that particular drug was very fatal very quickly, mm-hmm. and it was he was a novice user of it. Although he sipped beer, did tobacco, and marijuana in high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have to remember the prescription drugs are very readily, readily available, mm-hmm. and children are looking into medicine cabinets, whether it's yours or a friend's. Or right, a lot of things to look for and to be aware of. And I think key, which you know we've talked about on other shows here on Your Story Matters, is communication. We need to really talk to one another. We need to talk to our children, our spouses, our partners, Without that, so many things can go wrong and so many things can go on for so long that shouldn't be happening. That's right. That's right. With younger children, if you haven't started already, what good things happen today? What not such good things Mm -hmm. happen today? Mm -hmm. Those two questions when you're putting your child down at an early age should continue in an age-appropriate way, whatever age you select and you think they're on their way and they're safe. Mm-hmm. But always, always just ask what the good things happen and what not so good because life is filled with ups and downs. That's right. And perhaps that would start the communication. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. And I think that when children have a place to just share their day, share their experiences, it leads into more and more communication when things get really rough. And when there's things that are so overwhelming to a young teen or teenager or young adult that they can't handle, that hopefully they can come to their parents or those who care for them and be able to have a place, a safe place. That's right. I think sometimes kids don't want to disappoint their parents. Mm -hmm. And if they make a mistake, they keep quiet about it and protect them to some degree. And I think in a way... Ian, Ian did that with me. He didn't want me to know the bad, the not-so-good things he was doing as mm-hmm. a teenager. Mm-hmm. And he protected me in a way. And I had to find out for myself, as just observing and learning a little more. But, you know, we did do the intervention as much as possible. But it seemed to not do it completely. Um, but there's so many more things out there now that mm-hmm. is available, like you said, to, for families. And I think people are talking about it a lot more than yes. 15 years ago. Yes, I agree. And the education is out there. You just can Google teen drug prevention and you'll find such a host of places to go, websites, blogs, you name it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's there for us. And, mm-hmm. and parents just need to put it as part of their, you know, the items that they have to look into. Right. Like a hobby or anything else. They mm-hmm. have this is... This is prevention, right. going it's, to the dentist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Part of normal parenting. I love that you said that because I think that's true. We need to think about part of normal parenting is looking at issues like sex, drugs, bullying, all kinds of things that are happening sometimes right under our nose, not because we're not good parents, not because we're not trying to do the right thing, but because mm-hmm. we might be overwhelmed with life and many people have lots of things going on and more than one child but it's part of being a parent is to make yourself aware, educate yourself, and find out what's happening in your own family. Absolutely, absolutely. Kids are being exposed to so much, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's online or through the TV or through the media. 
um, good things as well, good things and not so good things. So mm-hmm. that's why they're being hit and targeted. That's and, right. And you got to remember, drug addiction um, or drugs is a business, and, and it's, there's a lot of money to be made with drug trafficking. That's right. So our children are targets. Mm-hmm. And they, they're, and you, I know you know this, and your your listeners probably too. But there's this um, the brain development that a child's brain is not fully developed until they're 24, mm-hmm. and the part that that seems to be a little later in development is the the decision making, the frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important to be with your children and help them with those decisions. That's right. How old was Ian when he passed away? And what is one thing that you could share with the audience that you truly learned from having such a wonderful young man in your life as your son? What did you learn from him? What did I learn from him? Ian was a very sensitive young man. He had a sister that was older than him, actually six years older, who was born with Down syndrome. And he always protected her, and she was his light. And he used to say, Candace is my heart. So he did a lot of volunteer work with Special Olympics. And he was very extra sensitive to that. And a lot of his friends used to ask him, them, him for help because he, they felt he had something a little special because of my daughter, Candy. Mm-hmm. And always very proud of him. Truly, truly miss him. It's been very difficult. And mm-hmm. Every time I get a phone call from another parent, I say, you're in a club that nobody wants to belong to. That's you right. didn't choose this. Mm-hmm. But we're here for them. And um, it always refreshes me like it was the first day mm-hmm. when this happens with parents. But we try our best and help other parents as well. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that your your willingness to share your story and to talk about Ian. And, and again, we hope that if any of the listeners want to contact you, they'll go to CourageToSpeak.org and they can Correct. also go to SunnyStory.com. Ginger, right. thank you so much for your time thank today you. and for sharing your story and for all that you're doing. Thank you so much.